go over Surah Al-Mulk, which is going to be a, like a, quite of a challenge because it's 30 ayat and it's very, very deep in its lessons and meanings. But inshallah, we, you know, we'll try to make it kind of like a flowing translation and I'll share with you some gems of the Surah. Okay? All of you know the importance or the fada'il of this Surah, right? I mean, there's so many references to how important the Surah is, reading it before you sleep and there's something special about this Surah, right? And so I thought, let's start with it uh, in Ramadan, because all of us have kind of, um, we've become familiar with the Juz'amma surahs, the shortest surahs, and this Tabarak is usually like overlooked. And because the ayats are many, we often avoid studying them because it's just too much, right? And so, so we recite them, and we know that they're special, but there's no real impact on, on us in terms of what's so special about the surah. So I'm just gonna, my objective today is to get, get you to appreciate the surah more. Not just in, it, in terms of its message, but in terms of how Allah speaks, how, how this, this ayah or this surah is structured, how the ayat are structured in the surah. Okay, so we'll start inshallah. There's, uh, just for you to know, there's six sections in this surah. How many sections? Six, very good. So the first section is really gonna talk about Allah's power and His Constancy. Okay. So it starts off with A'udhu Billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Tabaraka al-lazhi biyadihi al-mulku wa huwa ala kulli shay'in qadir Now Allah starts off with this grand statement that Tabarak What does Tabarak mean? It comes from the root word Baraka which means increase in goodness and what Allah here is saying is that His kingdom, notice He doesn't even use His own name. Allah didn't say, Tabarakallahu alladhi biyadihi al-mulk. Tabarakalladhi biyadihi al-mulk. That this kingdom belongs to someone who has increase and, and no limits, basically. Think of it as no limits to His kingdom. Now, before we proceed, we have to understand who the audience is for this surah. So this surah was revealed primarily in later Meccan period, which means it was the animosity towards the Muslims was getting really strong and so the disbelievers of Mecca were primarily the, the audience that Allah is addressing in the surah. And you'll notice that the language is very much, uh, there's a lot of hellfire talk in the surah. Why? Because uh, the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ are reaching a stage where they're actually about to kill him. And so Allah is using this explicit language. So you'll see that there's very little mention of Jannah. There's literally one ayah that mentions Jannah in this, in this surah. The rest is more, more towards addressing the disbelievers. But also, just to pause, we have to address what does a disbeliever mean? How do we define a disbeliever? Is your non-Muslim teacher the disbeliever we're talking about here? What do you think? Is your non-Muslim neighbor who we're talking about here? What do you think? No, absolutely not, right? So this is talking about a specific group of people who got the message of the Prophet ﷺ. They understood the message. They lived with him. They saw his character. They understood the Qur'an and they understood the message. But they decided to reject it. And not only did they decide to reject it, they actually decided to confront it and to try to eliminate it from spreading. Okay? So these are not just normal people who disbelieve in Allah or... They, they don't know anything about Islam. No, these are people who know what Islam is. They understand it. They reject it. They openly deny it. And they're going out of their way to stop this message. Okay, so is this a 
big group of people or a very small, min minute group of people? What do you think? Yeah, very small group of people, okay? So Allah is describing himself in the beginning by, by describing his kingdom. تَبَارَكَ الَّذِي بِيَدِهِ الْمُلْكُ وَهُوَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ So this kingdom belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's in his hands. And Allah is also saying that he is capable of everything. وَهُوَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ Now, do, don't the, think of the leaders of Quraysh. Don't they think that they are the real kings of the city? Right? So what is Allah indirectly telling them? That you are not the true kings. <laughs> I am the true king. And by the way, your abilities, your capabilities are limited. My capabilities are unlimited, right? So it's, in a way, it's being very, very offensive to the disbelievers in terms of uh, claiming kingdom for someone other than these, these Quraysh, right? And so who's reciting these verses? The Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba, they're reciting these verses and they're telling them, listen guys, yeah, you guys are the custodians of the Kaaba and whatever, but Tabarak al-ladhi biyadihil mulk. Someone else has the kingdom, not you guys. And by the way, that king, his kingdom is mutabarak. It's, there's increase in goodness in that, in that kingdom. It's endless. It has no limits. Your kingdom has limits. Right? And how do we know it has limits? Because you're going to die one day. And when you die, what happens to your kingdom? It goes away. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ He's the one who has created death and life. Now the question is, why did Allah put death before life and not life before death? It's an interesting question to think about, right? So, like I told you, the surah is primarily a warning for the disbelievers. And so, Allah is using language that is more of a warning. So what's more of a warning? More, uh, li death or life? Death, obviously, right? So, الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ What's the purpose of death and life? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا so the purpose of death and life is to test us. To test us. But test for what? Which, who of us is better in deeds? So all of us, what is our test in life? Is to do better deeds. Keep doing better and better and better deeds. And notice the word ahsan is a comparative sense. So it means that Allah doesn't expect us to do the best of all things, right? He doesn't expect the best, but he expects us to do better every day. So it's, it's kind of relaxing for us because Allah's not putting a very high standard for us. He, he's concerned about us doing better and better and better. As long as you are progressing, that's fine. That's your test, right? So there's a sense of growth. وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْغَفُورُ Interesting names of Allah, Al-Aziz, Al-Ghafoor. Al-Aziz is the one who gives you Izzah, the one who gives you honor and dignity. And so this is very also comforting for us because sometimes what happens to us when we get stuck in society and the drama of society, we start seeking honor and dignity from who? From those around us. And how does that feel? It feels pretty bad, right? You, you, you never, you, your expectations are never met. People will never give you the respect that you really seek. And so Allah is telling us, stop seeking izzah and dignity and honor from anybody else. I am the source of your dignity. I am the source of your honor. So it's a beautiful name of Allah. Al-Aziz, Al-Ghafoor. And Al-Aziz also has to deal with authority. But Allah is combining His authority, His izzah, His dignity and honor and glory with His mercy. 
His endless mercy. And ghafoor is con continuous mercy and forgiveness. And ghafara literally means to cover something. So it's as if Allah is telling us, I'm willing to hide all your mistakes, all your sins. We all have sins. We have shortcomings. And so Allah is saying, I am the authority. I am the one who gives you digni and, uh, dignity. And the biggest sign that I am willing to give you dignity is I'm also willing to cover up all your mistakes, all your sins. And so he keeps on saying Alladhi here also. He, he, Allah's name hasn't come up yet. Alladhi. Why? Because indirectly the Quraysh, the disbelievers, they already know that the, the, uh, the, the Prophet is talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They already know this. This has been the top topic of the past 13 years. This surah was revealed in the latter part of Mecca, which is pretty much a 13-year uh, period, right? And so they've already heard so much about Allah, 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 right? So Allah doesn't need to spell out His name here. Just saying, Alladhi, Alladhi khalaqa al-mawta wal-hayat. And then, Alladhi, same again, Alladhi khalaqa sab'a samawatin tibaqa. The one who has created the seven skies above us. Ma tara fi khalqa rahmani min tafawit. You don't see any, anything flawed about Allah's creation. You don't see any flaws in Allah's creation. And tafawat also means to skip, which also is kind of connected to Allah's, uh, speaking about Allah's sab'a samawat. Now, as you know, uh, or as some of you know, that there are seven skies above us, okay? And which sky can we see? Just the first sky, al-sama' al-dunya. That's all we can see. And all the like explorations that we've been able to see, stars, planets, the moon, the sun, this is all part of what? Sama' al-dunya, the lowest uh, sky. But the question is, what about these other skies? Do we know anything about them? Have you seen these skies? No, we haven't seen. But Allah is telling us, even those skies that you haven't seen, there is no flaw in them. There is nothing flawed about these Skies, right? Ma tara fi khalq rahmani min tafawat. You don't see anything flawed about these skies. And Allah is telling this disbeliever, if you don't appreciate these skies, go back again. Farja al basar. Farja al basara. Hal tara min futur. Go back and give it another shot. Try to give it another try. Try to see if you see any flaws or any openings or any cracks in the sky, right? And so what is Allah talking about here? Why is He calling them to see? Because no, notice the attitude of the disbelievers was that they wanted, they, they, didn't, they weren't interested in hearing the message of the Qur'an from the Prophet and They were interested in seeing a miracle. And as you know from historical accounts in the Qur'an, what happens to nations who've asked for that before? Nations in the past who have asked for seen visual miracles. What happens to them when the miracle comes? What happens to them when the miracle comes and they still deny it? They get destroyed, right? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the Prophet out of his rahmah, his mercy, and by the way, the name Ar-Rahman is going to be coming over and over again in the surah, right? We're doing Surah Al-Mulk for those of you who just came in. So Allah's rahmah um, is something that's highlighted over and over and over again throughout the surah. Although it's addressing the, the most dangerous enemies of Islam, which is ironic, right? Where you'd expect Allah to show His severity and His punishment and, his, and how strict He is, Allah's saying, no, no, no. Even with these disbelievers, I'm dealing with rahmah. So another thing that you have to keep in mind as we read the surah is 
even if you hear graphic imagery about the Jahannam and people burning in hell, you're going to see all sorts of like scary things. Deep down inside there is Rahmah. Why? Because Allah is just giving us a preview of what's coming. And so for you just to be able to hear these ayat is a gift. Because you're getting a preview of what's coming before you even experience it. Right? So you have a choice to choose that path or not to choose that path. So there's this hidden rahmah in all of these ayat. Right? So these disbelievers, they wanted to see miracles. They weren't interested in listening. But Allah keeps telling them, listen, the ayat that are around you, the ayat that are there in the skies, they're enough for you to accept this message. They're enough for you to accept this this God and this deen. But they're adamant. They're like, you know what? No, no, no. We're not, we're not interested in seeing. We want to, or we're not interested in hearing. We want to see a proper miracle. Allah's telling them, listen, you want to see a miracle? Go outside and look at the skies. Look at the skies outside. Now, slight tangent for us here, right? In, in like 2018. How many of us spend time throughout our day just going outside and looking at the skies and looking at Allah's creation and reflecting on Allah's creation. Very few, right? We, we rarely have time for that. Why? Because the faculty of uh, sight for us has been misused for other things. And you'll notice that the, the theme of, of sight and hearing is going to be recurring throughout the surah. So just, think, just keep that as a note a mental note in your mind that sight is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but if you use it to see the wrong things like today in terms of entertainment most of what we see is it you know meaningful stuff is it stuff that increases our iman or is it stuff that pollutes our eyes and pollutes our ears and right there's so much mindless entertainment out there and so by being constantly consuming this stuff we become blinded. We have eyes, but we don't really see. And that's really the case of the disbelievers. They have become blinded to this reality. So, And then Allah says, So how many times has Allah told them to go look at the skies? How many times has He told them to see, to see, to see? Anyone? فَرْجِعِ الْبَصَرَ مَا تَرَى One, two. It's actually four times, right? So first time it comes here. مَا تَرَى فِي خَلْقِ الرَّحْمَانِ مِنْ تَفَاوِ You don't see anything missing in the skies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But then Allah tells them to go back and look again. And then He tells them, you know what? Go back again and look again twice. So four times Allah is telling them to go back. And what will they notice if they really, really deeply look into the skies and the earth? they realize how perfect the skies are. right? And when you realize how perfect the skies are, notice what the argument is. Allah is the king, right? And He is Qadr ala kulli shay. He's the king of everything. King of the heavens and the earth. King of the skies and the earth. Allah is telling these, these people who are arrogant, He's telling them, if you truly see, you will realize how flawless the skies are and how you can't see any cracks in them, you can't see anything that's Lord in them, and this should make you humble. So the, the, the section, section number one, starts off with how Allah's kingdom and authority is so grand, and how weak we are. And just by looking at the skies and the earth, 
we should become humbled. ينقلب إليك البصر خاسئاً وهو حسير. You're supposed to like your your basar, your sight is supposed to be humbled. You're not you're not, you basically the eyes become so overwhelmed with Allah's creation that you look down in humility and in embarrassment. That how how can I how did I act so arrogantly? How did I question Allah's kingdom? How did I not realize who the king, the true king is? So, ينقلب إليك البصر خاسئاً وهو حسير. حسير from حسرة, regretful, right? That's the, the feeling Allah wants you to have. And خاسئاً literally means humiliated. So what's happening here is, it starts off with Allah's kingdom and His authority, and it ends with what? Our, our place, our humility, how humble we should be in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, another interesting side note to this is, you know how, like, after salah, there's a... There's a dhikr that we usually recite after Fajr and Maghrib. Anyone knows what it is? La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah lahul mulk wa lahul hamd wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir. Now, I'll, I'll share with you something really beautiful about this dhikr. What you're saying is, La ilaha illallah, there's no, no God except Allah. Wahdahu la sharika lah. He has no partners. Lahul mulk. All of the kingdom belongs to Allah walahul hamd and to him belongs all sorts of gratitude and praise now what's the link between Allah's mulk and, and gratitude think about it basically all of us want our own mini kingdoms in this world yes or no we want success we want money we want a nice spouse we want a nice house we want nice cars we want to be able to travel we want a beautiful family and beautiful children. That's what a kingdom is all about, right? It's about enjoying this life, yes? And the beauties of this worldly life. And so Allah is saying, you want, you want to be happy in this life? You want to feel at peace? Connect to me. If you become my abd, if you worship me, and I have access to the kingdom, all the kingdom of the skies and the earth, then basically, by default, you have access to everything. You have the keys to the king of all kings. You have a direct relationship with the king of all kings. This is bigger than any wasla you can have in this life. Yes or no? So being Allah reminding us that he's the king and us being his servants gives us a sense of empowerment. Yes or no? That wow, I have access to the king of all kings directly. And anything I want, he's willing to grant me. And by the way, he's capable of everything. So nothing I ask him is impossible. Because وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ So it's supposed to make you grateful. Right? That's why لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ You see the connection? It's a beautiful connection. So when you recite this in your adhkar, make that connection. لَهُ الْمُلْكُ وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ Because he has his kingdom and I have access to his kingdom, therefore, I am grateful for that. Okay? So... Really, really interesting way of Allah talking in this first section. And of course, here's another beautiful uh, idea here. What happens to our ruh when we die? It basically goes up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this, in this world or alam al-barzakh. Yes or no? Does it go upwards or downwards? It goes upwards. So as it goes upwards, what does it see? It sees the skies. It sees the skies. And by the way, the good arwah will go all the way up to the seventh heaven and then come back. Okay? So depending on how elevated you are spiritually, you go up. So assuming that you are a really like beautiful soul, 
you will actually be able to see. Allah says, "Ma tara fi khalq al-Rahman," right? Alladhi khalqa sab'a samawatin tibaqan. The one who created these seven layers of skies. Ma tara. Allah is saying that you will not see any flaw in these layers. Now the question is, in this worldly life, will we see these seven skies? No. So Allah is linking it to the previous ayah, which is talking about His mouth. Alladhi khalq al-mouth. He created mouth as a transition. So think of mouth as this. It's not a scary thing, by the way. Mouth is actually a beautiful transition from this life to the next life. And Allah is telling us that there is no skipping. So it's going to be There's no skipping. It's going to be smooth and it's going to be a beautiful journey. You're going to be actually, think of yourself like in, an, in a spiritual elevator with glasses all around you and you'll be able to see the skies going up and going down. So how many times will you see the skies? So, yeah, so going, uh, so all the seven skies, how many, how many times would you see them? Twice. Twice. Right? Allah, Allah tells us, look at the skies twice. So once going up and once coming down. So it's, it's really beautiful how Allah speaks in the Quran. And notice how sight is, is um, repeated as a theme. So Allah says, مَا تَرَى فِي خَلْقِ الرَّحْمَانِ مِنْ تَفَاوَتِ You don't see any flaws in Allah's creation. And then he also says, ثُمَّرْجِعِ الْبَصَرَ كَرَّتَيْنِ Go back and look twice. Go back and look twice and I promise you, you will be humiliated. You, are, you will be dumbfounded. You will be overwhelmed with Allah's creation. Like, has, have you ever seen any flaw in the sun? Has the sun, like, risen late by one minute because it was tired or because it had a long night? No, it's perfect. The moon is perfect. Uh, everything about this. Just yesterday, I was out with my kids and we saw a rainbow. How many of you saw the rainbow in Rafah? Beautiful, right? So there's nothing flaw flawed about it. But Allah is calling these disbelievers to look at what's around them because they're not going to get anything else. They're not going to get any other miraculous sign. They, they won't see the sea spitting like Musa's people saw. They won't see like Isa they won't see a dead coming back to life or a blind man being healed. They won't see these visual miracles. It's over. The only miracle they have is the Qur'an, which they have to hear, not see, right? And if they're not interested in listening to the Qur'an, then what's enough for them is to see what's around them. So that's section number one. Highlighting Allah's power and His constancy. His kingdom is never going to be ending because it's mutabarak. It never ends. Section number two talks about heaven and hell, right? And... Inshallah, at the end, I'll show you how it's all flowing beautifully. So Allah's basically starting off by saying in this section, وَلَقَدْ زَيَّنَّا السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَابِيحَا وَجَعَلْنَاهَا رُجُومًا لِلشَّيَاطِينَ وَأَعْتَدْنَا لَهُمْ عَذَابَ السَّعِيرِ And we have verily beeutified the sky. Which sky? السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا Which means what? The lowest sky, because that's where the stars are, right? And Allah's saying zina. So Allah here is highlighting the fact that human nature is we love zina. Especially the women, right? They love zina, they love makeup, they love dressing up, they love the designs, the clothes. And, and so this is human nature for us to love zina. Even in our house, we like to decorate our homes, right? It's part of our human nature. So Allah is saying, fine, just look up at the sky. I've actually created these masabih, these stars, like lamps. They're there to beautify the sky. But it has another function also. So what's another function of the stars? Allahu alam, this is one view of the tafatir. 
that um, there are shayateen that basically try to kind of uh, penetrate through the skies to get some knowledge of the unseen. And so who are the guardians that are protecting the skies? These stars, right? These stars, like think of them like shooting stars. Anyone seen a shooting star? So that's basically what has happened. That star has actually done rajim of, of one shaitan. Rajim means to throw uh, you know, and destroy something. And so it's like a warfare going on uh, up in the skies, right? But it looks beautiful to us. We don't see it. But Allah is telling us that these shayateen, they try to penetrate through the skies, but I've protected the sama dunya. There's no way they can cross. And anyone who attempts to cross, they're destroyed instantly. And these shayateen, we have prepared for them uh, a punishment that is uh, really severe. Allah is drawing a parallel here. First he's talking about the shayateen in the skies, like the jinn, literally, right? Then he's talking about the, the shayateen on earth. Who are the shayateen on earth? These disbelievers who are becoming enemies of Islam, right? They're, they're enemies of the Prophet Allah uses the term birabbihim here. Why? Kafaru birabbihim. Because Rabb really um, highlights how caring Allah is. Because Rabb al-Bayt is actually the father of the house or the caretaker of the house. So Rabb means the caretaker. Someone who you depend on to take care of all your needs. Rabbat al-Bayt is, is the mother, right? And Tarbiyah literally means to take care of our children. I don't know if schools are doing that, right? It's called Uzarat al-Tarbiyah wa taalim they're teaching them a lot of things. I don't know about terbiya, though, right? But uh, te that's what terbiya is. Gradual kind of upbringing with care, with love. And so Allah's drawing this beautiful contrast that how can you disbelieve and deny and become enemies of this rub of yours? Now, another pause here, guys. Whenever you read the ayat of Jahannam and adab and punishment in the Quran, then, yes, Allah is talking about the afterlife, but more importantly, He's talking about how these people will live in this life. So Allah is telling these people who are listening, He's telling them, listen, if you choose to freely disbelieve in me and to become my enemies, then guess what? It's up to you, but you're going to suffer in this life. You're going to live in adab of Jahannam in this life. And what a terrible, terrible, terrible choice you've made. And so, what Allah is highlighting here is that there are certain laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? There are qawaneen. Allah has given us freedom of choice to choose what kind of life we should live. A life on Sirat al-Mustaqeem or Sirat al-Jaheem. If you live on Sirat al-Mustaqeem, what kind of life will you live? A blissful life, peaceful life, joy, happiness, comfort. Everything is going to be beautiful for you in this life. And that's the Jannah of this world. But if you choose to live the, on Sirat al-Jaheem, then what are the consequences? Jahim, Jahannam, Adab, Nar. But who do you blame for that? Yourself, because you chose that lifestyle, right? And so when you read these ayat, don't think that Allah is the one who wants to punish them. Allah is the one who wants to give them pain in Jahannam. No, no, no. These people who disbelieve, they chose that path. Why did they choose that path? Out of arrogance. Out of love for you know, worldly, worldly gain and materialism and love for power maybe and money. So Allah is telling them, you choose this life, up to you. It's going to be adab jahannam and what a terrible punishment. 
And then Allah is going to go now deeper. Why is he going to go deeper and describing this just hellfire? Just to make it kind of more graphic for the disbelievers. And to show them how painful this life is going to be and how painful the akhirah is going to be for them if they continue to, on this path. So bear with me, this is Quran and I can't censor this stuff, right? It's not like in the movies where there's like a really bad scene, you censor it out. In the Quran, Allah is very explicit and we're supposed to go through that experience. Why? There's therapy in it, okay? And it's, it's a good reminder for those of us who are off track and it's a great blessing for us, for those of us who are free from this, inshallah. So Allah says, when they are thrown into it, إِذَا أُلْقُوا فِيهَا سَمِعُوا لَهَا شَهِيقًا وَهِيَ تَفُورُ they will hear a shahiq. Shahiq literally means like a, a, a violent inhale. You know how like when you're scared you do <gasps> That's shahiq. Because shahiq and zafir means inhale and exhale. So <gasps> that's what they're going to see when they are thrown into this. So th the imagery is of them falling now. And by the way, jahannam means it's a very, very deep, 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 deep hole. Okay? Just like you have sabah samawat up, Allah is drawing the contrast now. There is also a deep pit of hellfire and as they're thrown into it they're going to start hearing these scary noises and this shahiq and, and the fire will be set ablaze so it's like those disbelievers who are falling into it are actually the, the fuel for the fires to kind of rise up tafur very interesting this hellfire Allah is saying it's actually getting angry it's, it's upset because of these people that are being thrown into it. Let's pause here. Why is the fire being upset? Why is it being angry actually? Ghayd means anger. Why is the fire being anger, angry when these disbelievers are thrown into it? Think about it. So we're learning here first of all this hellfire is a creation of Allah. But why is it angry? Maybe because of the amount of disbelievers, but it's just upset because how stupid were you in this life? Like, how, how did you end up here? Yani, it's as if, you know, being thrown in the hellfire is a very, very difficult task. H how messed up were you in this life that you are en you're, en you're ending up here? It's as if, yani, it's angry with these people. You know how, like, sometimes your mom punishes you, but she's angry with you, but she loves you? Right? That's, that's basically what's happening here. Is this hellfire is, is being upset at these people. They're, it's being angry at them. What, like, how messed up were you? So we're learning here also another thing. That fawj means groups. So Allah is going to dump groups of people into the hellfire together. So it's not going to be like one by one. No, it's going to be groups. Now, what does that mean? Allahu ala. But maybe... Uh, all the corrupt politicians will be thrown together. All the, those who are financially corrupt in their business and their dealings will be thrown together. All of those people who used to maybe, I don't know, beat their wives will be thrown together. Um, people who used to, I don't know, um, launch wars and, and kill babies for basically political gain would be thrown together. So Allah is saying that there's fawj, afwaj, right? Kullama ulqiya fiha fawjun. Something interesting is going to happen. There is a khazana. Sa'alhum khazanatuha. There's going to be someone responsible for the hellfire, right? So think of a hellfire like this prison, and there is a guard. What's the guard going to do? It's going to ask these, these afwaj, these groups, as they're being fallen into the hellfire. 
Alam yatikum nadir? Didn't a warner come to you? What are they going to say? Qalu bala. Of course, a warner did come to them. Qad ja'ana nadirun. A warner did come to us, but fakadzabna. But we denied him. We, we actually called him a liar. We denied him. We called him a liar. And we actually said, وَقُلْنَا مَا نَزَّلَ اللَّهُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ أَنْتُمْ إِلَّا فِي ضَلَالٍ كَبِيرٍ And we in fact said that Allah hasn't sent down anything. Allah hasn't sent down the Qur'an. Allah hasn't sent down prophets. These are all like fairy tales. What are you talking about? There's no such thing as heaven and hell. There's no, no such thing as Jannah and Nar and, and, and punishment and grave. There's no such thing as that. There's no such thing as Allah and angels. And this stuff is all part of the unseen. Now, these, are, these are all just uh, fairy tales and, and mystic uh, accounts that people have created. There's no such thing. So, so disbelievers in this context are very materialistic. They only see and believe. They don't believe in the concept of the unseen. Whereas believers, what do we have in common? This idea of belief in the unseen, right? We believe Allah is unseen, angels are unseen, Jannah is unseen, hellfire is unseen, you know, everything is unseen, Akhara is unseen. We have no clue what it's going to be like, but we believe it firmly, right? And so they're admitting, yes, a warner did come to us, but that's what we said. Now the question is, why are they admitting? Why are these guys admitting? They actually have, they still have hope that maybe if we admit, this khazin will have mercy on us and he'll let us out. So they have false hopes still. Yeah. That these khazana are talking back to them and telling them, you are most definitely like in, in severe misguidance. You are in dalal in kabir. You are extremely lost. You are extremely misguided. And then what did they say? If only we heard and we understood, we would not have been here today. We would not be the friends of this hellfire. So now we're again coming to two faculties of, of the human being. Earlier it was sight, right? Seeing. Now Allah is highlighting the ability to hear. If only we heard. And hear, hearing is actually referring to them paying attention, right? Because there's people who hear, but they don't pay attention. Um, they don't listen to advice. They don't internalize the advice. They don't take it seriously. So they have been hearing these ayat of the Quran throughout 13 years. But have they done, have they done sam'ah? They haven't done sam'ah. Because what does sam'ah mean? You hear something and it makes you understand something deep. It makes you change your life. It, it actually changes you as a person. And it makes you understand things. So that's why sam'ah and then aql. Why did sam'ah come before aql? Why did hearing come before understanding? Because it's a result, right? When you hear, then you understand. Just like you guys are today are hearing this explanation, right? It's going to help you understand further. But if you're refusing to hear, are you going to understand? No. Are there people today who refuse to hear? Right? The Quran comes on, they're like, change the radio. Or if you start talking about Jannah and Nara, they're like, please, can we change the topic? It's too depressing. Can we talk about something else? Can we talk about movies and, and uh, the next iPhone or something? So, وَقَالُوا لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ أَوْ نَعْقِلُوا مَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ All they had to do was listen. All they had to do was allow 
again, we're, we're learning earlier that the eyes were a blessing of Allah. If you misuse the eyes, it can cause you to be blinded from seeing the ayat of Allah. Now Allah is telling us there's another blessing, the blessing of ears. And you can, can you misuse the blessing of the ears? Yeah. How? Yeah, by, by choosing to listen to things that take you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by choosing things that are corrupt, by, I don't know, getting, indulging in gossip and, and just talking badly about others and listening to things that, you know, corrupt your heart. Negative stuff, right, that corrupts your heart through the ears. And what, guess what? When you do that, then what's, what's going to happen to your intellect and your ability to understand? Bye-bye. It's not going to connect. Right? So the whole point of listening is to be able to see. And subhanAllah, look at our faces. Look at the structure of our face. Right? So it's as if we have these, you have, uh, these two devices here, and you have these two devices here, and in the middle you have the intellect. So what's the objective? It's for us to be able to understand, to get it. Right? But what are the ways to understand? It's either through here or through here. Right? Earlier they, didn't, they weren't, Allah told them repeatedly, see, 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 don't you see, don't you see? They couldn't see. Was telling them, why don't you listen? And they're like, we wish we listened. If only we heard and we understood, we will not be of Ashab al-Sahir. So they're learning their lesson now. But is it too late? Yeah. Is it too late? Yeah, it's too late now. Right? Allah says, they admitted to their mistakes. Dhanb actually is a type of a sin which makes you embarrassed. And it comes from dhanab, which is a tail of an animal, right? And supposed to be something that's shameful. And so uh, Allah is telling them, uh, exposing their feelings now. That when they're admitting their mistakes, they're extremely embarrassed about it. And Allah says, فَسُحْقًا لِأَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ Get lost from here. You are the friends of the hellfire, right? السَّعِيرِ Now, we're done with the, like the hellfire part now let's talk about the positive part Allah draws a contrast those who fear their master their loving caretaking master in the unseen they have a tremendous and tremendous reward okay um, there's cushions here so feel free to sit inshallah so, It has different meanings. One meaning is those, because is it easy to fear Allah and stay away from trouble in public? Yes? Is it easy to not do wrong things in public? It's actually easy, right? It's easy for you not to like do messed up things in public because the public's around you. You, you will never show your bad or dark side in front of the public. But it's easy for you to act like you're a good person. It's easy for you to act like you're righteous in public. Yes or no? But, but when does the real you come out? When you're all alone. When you're all alone in your room and nobody's there. Or when you're all alone, or all alone in your house and your parents are out or traveling. Or when you're traveling and you're all alone in the hotel room. You're all alone in the city. Nobody knows where you are. And you have full freedom to do whatever you want. Now Allah is saying those who fear Allah when nobody else sees them, they lahum maghfiratun wa ajrun kabir. They have maghfirah, so all their sins are forgiven constantly, 
and walahum ajrun kabir and they have a reward that's kabir and now when Allah says kabir how big is that yeah when I say kabir that, this is how big I say right but when Allah Allah already is al-kabir right if he says it's kabir then how much of a reward would that be now does this mean this is just ajr and maghfirah in the akhirah what do you think no absolutely not this is ajr and maghfirah in this world guys so this is motivation for us in the Quran motivation for us to fear Allah in private when nobody's watching us because that's really is the difference between a munafiq and a mu'min what does a munafiq do a hypocrite they act like they're like righteous and kind and whatever right but in secret they do terrible things so and khashya here is a, is a light type of fear it's not ru'b ru'b means you're terrified khashya means you're afraid to upset Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you're afraid to let him you know not meet his expectation just like you're afraid of your parents sometimes are we afraid of our parents sometimes yeah. yes right uh, why is it because they're, they're like monsters and they scare us at night and we have nightmares of them no it's not that type of um, you know paranormal activity kind of fear no this is fear of letting them down fear out of respect for them fear because they've they have so much hopes in us they've brought us up they have expectations and so you don't want to let them down and Allah says whether you hide what you want to say or whether you say it out loud he knows what's going on in your chests he knows what's he knows your inside story doesn't he know who created us and he's the one who is Al-Latif and Al-Khabir. Al-Latif is basically a beautiful name of Allah which highlights his subtlety. How he like lovingly and subtly takes care of all our needs and he has full awareness of everything around us. So he plans everything for us in, perfect, in a perfect way that's not too aggressive, it's subtle. So it's, it's very soft and it's, it flows in our life with beauty and with harmony. And so what, what's this talking about? It's talking about those believers, by the way, in Mecca, not everybody who believed exposed their iman, by the way. Some believers in Mecca, they, weren't, they didn't have the guts to come out in public because they had family and they had other issues. So basically, they were believers. They used to pray secretly at night. They used to read Quran secretly. But they didn't expose their iman in public. Now Allah is being, showing His love for these people also. It's okay. Even if you haven't come up in public and said what you really want to say in your chest, it's okay. Allah knows what's in your chest, so don't worry about it. And why wouldn't He know? He created you after all, right? And eventually these, these uh, secret mu'mins or mu'mins in the hideout, when the migration happened, some of them, they actually migrated and then they were able to openly practice their iman. Okay? But Allah is going easy on them also. And then Allah says, Allah has made this earth subservient for you. He's made this earth madhlula, from dhul, literally. Like humiliated, right? Like the earth, we keep stepping on it, right? Does it get offended? No. Allah has made, that's its job. Its, its job is for us to step on it. So, 
So Allah is telling us, go and walk in its corner, different corners. And eat from the provisions that Allah has given you. النشور, and to you, 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 you will return to him. And this, another meaning of nushur means, and you can disperse yourself and spread out on this earth. It's very wide and vast. Now, what's the link between this ayah and the one before it? Because like I told you, these, this, these believers who were believing in secret, they weren't able to practice their iman in public. What, was the, what is Allah giving them as an option here? Move somewhere else. Mecca is tough for you, fine. Go somewhere else. Nothing wrong with that. Go and seek and, you know, seek Allah's provision and get a job, start a business somewhere else and, you know, and وَإِلَيْهِ النُّشُورِ and spread out. Don't get emotionally attached to this land. And this is something that, you know, again, it's a controversial topic, but Allah is not interested in land in the Qur'an. Nothing about, like, uh, politics and land is a big deal in the Qur'an, right? Allah, is, Allah wants us to be loyal to Him. And Allah has created this earth vast and wide, and He says, Don't complain that, you know what, this land, there's corruption here, and there, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not able to live freely. No, okay, if you can't live freely, go out. So Allah doesn't want you to suffer, basically. Allah doesn't want you to suffer and play a resistance movement in your life. Allah and the Qur'an is not interested in you being in a resistance movement. What does resistance cause? When you resist, when you, when you insist on being in this piece of land, and you're being attacked, and you resist, what happens? More pain, more suffering. And who do you blame for that pain and suffering? Yourself, right? Why? Because Allah said, go. And, and that's why there's so much wisdom in the migration of the Prophet ﷺ. Because, you know, 13 years in Mecca, what was happening towards the end of the 13 years? Things were boiling up pretty bad, right? There were, there were assassination attempts on the Prophet ﷺ. Some companions were killed. Companions were being tortured, okay? And so it was reaching a boiling point. Had they stayed in Mecca, what would have happened? Conflict, right? Bloodshed. Yes or no? And the, you know, the companions would have lost their temper and this and that. But what was the message of the Prophet ﷺ? What was his mission? Was it war or mercy and, and love? Mercy and love. So Allah gave him the option to kind of leave. And literally they, they walked out and they started living a new, new life in Medina and they started you know, setting up businesses and they got married and they started a new life and they dispersed themselves. Because peace is a priority for the Prophet ﷺ. It's never about resisting. There's a standard law uh, in the universe, guys. What you resist persists. And Islam is about surrendering. Islam is about letting go. Islam is about, you know, submission, khalas. Let it go. Things are bad? Okay, I'll go somewhere else. And so, you know, Unfortunately, Muslims today in many parts of the world, they're going through difficulties and pain and suffering. And we've been making dua for the past 50, 100 years. During Laylatul Qadr, in Umrah, and during Hajj, in Ramadan, at nights. Has anything changed? No. Why? Because we're insisting on resistance. Okay? Does this mean if you don't resist, that means you're a coward? No, absolutely not. Right? Allah just wants you to choose the peaceful way out. So notice how, like, this is really cool stuff. 
on the side, right? How the theme of, remember, seeing and hearing is a constant theme, and there's another constant theme in the surah, which is the skies and the earth. Okay? By the way, I'm, uh, I'm going to be talking, inshallah, with the intention of finishing. So if you guys feel late, then feel free to walk out. I won't be offended. But So we're still halfway through, 15 ayat. There's 15 more to go, just for you to know, because of time. Yeah. So there's no time constraints. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a big surah, it's, uh, and I want to give it some justice. So Allah says, He starts this section with skies. Remember the stars, right? And then what? It ends with what? The earth. You see the contrast? Skies and then earth. And then the, in the skies was what? A preview of hell. For who? For the disbelievers, right? Just like the, these, these shayateen are being cast with, with, with uh, these stars, right? They're being destroyed with this rujum. Similarly, the, the earth is a preview of Jannah. Because what is Jannah going to be about? You're going to have rizq there, you're going to be dispersed. Literally, also means explore this world. Go into the corners that are unexplored. And menkab actually means shoulders. So literally, Allah is drawing the imagery of mountains. Allah is telling us, go between the mountains and explore the beautiful creation of Allah on earth. And so that's what Jannah is going to be about, right? What are, what are you going to do in Jannah, by the way? Are you going to get bored in Jannah? Just imagine, like, you wake up and you're in Jannah. What are you going to do? You're going to start exploring, right? You're going to start exploring your heaven. You're going to start exploring your... Um, your palace. And then you're going to get hungry. So Allah says, وَكُلُوا مِنْ رِزْقِهِ And when you get hungry in Jannah, what are you going to do? You're just going to think about it. And what's going to happen? You, you feel like having a nice mango, what's going to happen? It's going to come right at you. Right? You feel like swimming in a pool of Nutella chocolate. It's right there. Whatever you think of. You want to go skiing on the Alps. It's right there. You want to do bungee jumping right there. You want to, you want to you know, swim in the Niagara Falls and fall down and not, not die. can happen also. Right? So endless enjoyment. So Allah is telling us that just like the skies was a preview of hell, the earth was a preview of Jannah. Section number three is about this immediate threat. So Allah is telling, like think about the disbelievers now. Just in the previous section, Allah told them, in detail what hell is going to be like and what heaven is going to be like, right? Now Allah is telling them, time is short. Time is limited, guys. Okay? I, I love you. I'm merciful with you. He's a rahman And He's telling them, I'm giving you this preview. I'm telling you in detail what's going to happen in hell. Why? Because I want you to be afraid of it so that you can get your act together. So deep down, there is a sense of love and mercy and care. But now Allah is saying, time is running out. So Allah tells them, Let me see if this works. Does it work? Yes? Okay, alhamdulillah. Okay. It's fine. Do you feel safe from the skies? And from who is in the sky? Who is in the sky, by the way? Who is man fi sama? Allah, right? So Allah, again, not highlighting who he is, but he's saying, are you fully comfortable that, and you feel safe from the one who is in the sky? 
are you comfortable that he's not going to make this earth swallow you? Do you have any guarantees that this, this earth cannot swallow you? Do you have any, like think about it now, right? This moment here. Do you have any guarantees that right now this earth cannot swallow us? Do we have any guarantees? Can that happen? If Allah wants, remember he said, He is the king and this earth belongs to him. If he wills, can, can this earth swallow us right now? Yes. So Allah is saying, أَأَمِنْتُمْ How can you be so comfortable? How can you be so relaxed? How can you feel, uh, how, can you, how can you be in this comfort zone? And by the way, there was a video like many years ago of a nightclub somewhere and the earth basically swallowed them. Has anyone seen that video? Yes? Pretty like terrifying video. Uh, it's fine, it's fine. Terrifying video. Check it out on YouTube. Just, I don't know, search nightclub um, being swallowed by the earth. It's an actual footage of an entire like wedding hall being swallowed by the earth. Yeah, completely. And there's a hole, literally, right? So Allah's literally telling them, أَأَمِنْتُمْ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاءِ And then He says, أَأَمِنْتُمْ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاءِ أَنْ يُرْسِلَ عَلَيْكُمْ حَاصِبًا So one threat is from where? From the earth, right? The earth will swallow you. Now there's another earth from up above. أَأَمِنْتُمْ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاءِ أَنْ يُرْسِلَ عَلَيْكُمْ حَاصِبًا What guarantees do you have? Or how do you feel safe that Allah can throw down stones and, and destroy you right now? فَسَتَعْلَمُونَ كَيْفَ نَذِيرٌ And then you will know who, like what kind of warner you were sent. So there's two, two like immediate punishments that are on pause. Think of them as on pause. There is one punishment from the top, stones coming down, and one punishment from below, the earth swallowing them, right? And Allah's telling them, أَأَمِنْتُمْ That's the question. Do you feel safe with this attitude of disbelief and arrogance and willingness to be and enemies of the Prophet and willingness to oppose this message and not submit to it. Or how do you feel safe? How do you sleep at night? How are you so comfortable with this? Now Allah says, فَسَتَعْلَمُونَ كَيْفَ نَذِيرٌ You will definitely know how amazing this nadir was. Who is he talking about? Who is the nadir? The Prophet ﷺ, right? And by the way, it's nadiri. Notice the kasra, which means that my warner, right? So Allah is telling them, that my warner was sent to you to, to warn you, but you will only know when, when this punishment comes to you. By the way, side note, these are Meccans, right? The audience of Mecca. Now, Hasiban min sama And yursil alaykum Hasiban. Does this ring a bell in their minds? Think about it. Stones coming down from the sky. Ashab al-feel. You guys know the story, right? So Allah's, this is like an echo of something that happened in history already. So when they listen to it, they're like, oh my God. We've actually seen this happen. We've actually heard our fathers and our grandparents talking about stones coming down from the sky. And what's interesting, next we'll see birds also. So some, uh, right now Allah's talking about stones, then He's going to talk about birds. Birds, stones, what comes to mind? Ashab al-feel. Yes, and what did Allah do to them, by the way? Yeah, you guys know the surah, right? It's one of the first surahs we memorized when we were children. Uh, and so the story is basically Allah protected this house. He protected Mecca from the enemies. And who witnessed this? The Meccans, they witnessed this. Even the disbelievers witnessed this. So Allah is saying, 
What guarantees you? How do you feel safe that you aren't next? See, Allah is confirming that point. Those who came before you, they denied it. And what a terrible way to deny this message. He's talking about people who came before them, right? Trying to draw the, the lesson from history. Sometimes we need to learn from history also, right? There's a lot of lessons in history that can be learned from. So now the birds, birds come. Awalam yaro. Notice, yaro. What do you? What, what comes to mind? Sight. sight again. Sight. Awalam yaro. Haven't they seen? Don't they see these birds up above them? Safatin One meaning of it is safatin wayqbid. Safat meaning they spread their wings and yqbid. Ma yumsikuhunna illa rahman. But another meaning of that is. Safatin in the sense of them holding those stones. Safat, them releasing the stones. Yaqbidn, holding those stones. Ma yumsikuhunna illa rahman. Who's holding these birds up in the skies? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who's holding these birds from throwing those stones down at them? Allah. So yumsikuhunna refers to the stones and to the birds. Innahu bi kulli shay'in basir. Allah is fully aware of everything. He's like he has full sight of everything. إِنَّهُ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ بَصِيرٌ So birds are being mentioned here again. And صَافَّاتٍ وَيَقْبِضٍ And then Allah says, أَمَّنْ هَذَا الَّذِي هُوَ جُنْدٌ لَكُمْ يَنْصُرُكُمْ مِنْ دُونِ الرَّحْمَانِ Allah's, like this is a sarcastic way of Allah speaking when He makes fun of the army of the disbelievers. This army of yours? You think these, this army is going to give you victory over Ar-Rahman? Now notice, Allah is talking about the warfare, right? When you talk about army and soldiers, it's a scene of war, right? But Allah brings in the name of Ar-Rahman. He doesn't bring Al-Qawi or Al-Aziz or Al-Jabbar. No, He brings in the name of Ar-Rahman. Why? Allah is telling them that, listen, I'm, I, I don't want war against you guys. You want to fight against me, I don't want to fight against you. I love you. I care about you. And Rahman highlights his mercy, love, and care. You see how like Quran clarifies who Allah is to us? Because sometimes society makes you think that Allah is punishing, he's scary, he wants to, you know, he's tough on us. But Quran, like during a scene of war, Allah is reminding them that you cannot win against the Rahman. How, how did you think? This army, this, Allah is making fun of their army, this insignificant army that you have. This jund, these soldiers, this pathetic army that you have. You think that they will give you victory over uh, me, without me? These disbelievers are most definitely like in, in denial and they have ghurur, they have this arrogance. They're deceived. Ghurur also means deception. It's a grand deception. They're deceived. Because they're, what now? They're, they can't see, they can't hear. So they're blinded, right? This is what's happening. And then, أَمَّنْ هَذَا الَّذِي يَرْزُقُكُمْ It's really beautiful. Allah is telling them, the one who provides you, the one who gives you all the provision, your food, your drink, all your livelihood, what guarantees you that he cannot stop this provision from you? What guarantees that this provision cannot be stopped? In amsaka rizqah, 
But unfortunately, they continued in their arrogance, they continued in their uh, disbelief, and they just turned away. Nufur, they run away. You know, Allah is drawing the imagery of someone who loses an argument. Has that ha ever happened to you when you're arguing with someone and they're shouting, they're being very aggressive? Lajju and Utu literally means that they're, they're saying all sorts of nasty things in a very loud, loud, loud voice, and then they just run away. Nufur, Yanfirun. That happens to people who are actually uh, defeated in the argument, right? So what's the easiest way to uh, not feel embarrassed when you lose an argument? First of all, shout, right? And, and scream, and then run away. You don't give a chance for the other person to talk back. And you why are you shouting? Because you're not giving the other, other person a chance to speak. Right? So, use your, so you use your loudness to hide the truth, and you run away, so you, don't, you never give them a chance to even respond. So Allah's telling them, fine, you want to fight with me? That's fine, but you know how in wars, they have sometimes breaks, right? Yes, so they fight during the day and then rest during the night. So during the rest, what are they going to do? They're going to eat and drink, right? So Allah's telling them, fine, you want to fight with me? What about during the breaks? What about this provision that you are expecting from me during the breaks? What guarantees that I won't stop that from you? And by the way, rain is also a form of risk, right? It comes from down from up above. Amsek, Allah is using the word amsek, which means something's coming down from up above and Allah is holding it back. Okay? So that's another imagery of sky, something coming down from the sky. Whereas the army is where? On earth. So you see earth, sky, again, also being kind of uh, highlighted in this beautiful, beautiful way. And by the way, think about, I'll, I'll share it with you now because it's, it's relevant. So when the rain is coming down and Allah stops it, what will be the, rea the reaction of the disbelievers? Will they be worried or do they still have a secondary means of water and provision? What do they have in Mecca? Zamzam, very good, very good. Just keep that in mind, okay? Keep that in mind, they have Zamzam. And maybe in the back of their mind they're like, yeah, yeah, we feel safe. Even if you stop the rain coming, coming down from the sky, it's okay, we have Zamzam. And it's, it's endless. Just keep that in mind, inshallah. It'll come up towards the end of the surah. Actually, it's, it's the last ayah. Right? And if I forget it, remind me to say it. And then Allah says, أَفَمَنْ يَمْشِي مُكِبًّا عَلَى وَجْهِ أَهْدَى أَمَّنْ يَمْشِي سَوِيًّا عَلَى صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Wow, this is like a really remarkable imagery here. Allah is saying, He's drawing the contrast of two people walking. One is walking straight, sawiyan ala sirat al-mustaqeem. They're straight, they're like enjoying their smooth ride, right? On a sirat al-mustaqeem, sawiyan. Whereas the other one is mukibban ala wajhih. They're walking and they fall on their face. They're walking, fall on their face, walking, fall on their face. Now what is this, what imagery is being drawn here? Allah is again highlighting the, the, the path of Sirat al-Mustaqeem. If you're on the Sirat al-Mustaqeem, your life will be sawiyan. What does sawiyan mean? Everything will be sorted out, it will be smooth, it will be balanced. You will be in harmony. Whereas if you're on Sirat al-Jaheem, what's going to happen every now, and the, uh, every now and then? You're going to fall on your face. Not literally, right? 
but you're going to go through pain and difficulty and every single time it's going to be like you are falling on your face and life basically is a struggle for you because you don't know where to go and it just causes you depression after depression after depression and anxiety and just hopeless hopelessness this is really the imagery being drawn here of someone who is hopeless he's trying different paths and every single time he tries something different he falls on his face whereas Sirat al-Mustaqim is a clear straight path that sorts your life out okay so you see the imagery here yes now really really cool how Allah in this section speaks also so it started off with a question أَأَمِنْتُمْ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاءِ right a question and then another question أَأَمِنْتُمْ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاءِ so first it was أَأَمِنْتُمْ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاءِ أَنْ يَخْسِفَ بِكُمْ الْأَرْضِ did you feel safe from this swallowing of the earth? Second question, did you feel safe from stones coming down from the sky? And then Allah calls them to reflect. Reflect on what? The birds, right? The punishment coming down from the sky. Notice, punishment coming down from the sky. Then again, Allah questions. It's a question again. And then another question. And then Allah, Allah asks you to reflect. So two questions and then reflection. Two questions, reflection. First time the reflection was on the, on the, on the birds in the sky. Second time it was a reflection on someone walking on earth. So sky and earth is also coming here. So started off with sky. And notice this question, earth, right? Armies where? Where is the army going to be? On earth, very good. So, started off with earth, ends with earth, and in between you have skies. A question for the sky, a question for, or a reflection on the sky. This is called a ring structure in the Quran. So not only does Allah give powerful messages, the way He speaks is so eloquent and so... Uh, divinely perfect right the order it's like a it's like a beautiful necklace that makes you appreciate the choice of the words the choice of the placement of the ayat and yani, can these be the words of a, of a man no impossible right and notice Allah is calling them to listen right when someone asks you a question what are you doing you're hearing, right? Listen. And then he tells you to reflect by seeing. Didn't this come earlier also? Right? And earlier Allah told them, um, Look, look, use your intellect, use your eyes, use your ears. So listen and see. And then Allah says, Another question. When, when someone asks you a question, you listen, right? And then he tells you to see this person. See the example of this person who is struggling. So listen, see, listen, see. Pretty amazing structure, yes or no? Yes? So the theme here was section 3, what? This is an immediate threat, okay? The immediate threat. I think we have some more cushions, so feel free to come, inshallah. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in section 4. So how many sections do we have in this surah, by the way? Six sections. So we're nearly there. So bear with me, inshallah. Ayah number 23. 
In this section, Allah is highlighting, highlighting to them that besides the immediate threat, your life is extremely short. Qul. By the way, I have to share with you something super, super amazing. Super amazing in this surah. Okay? Um, so, how do I do this? Okay, I know how to do this. Just listen to the qafiyah. Uh, you guys know what qafiyah is? The end of the ayat. Okay? Uh, listen to the qafiyah of the... I'm just going to read the last word of every ayah so far. And listen to the final letter. Qafiya means the final letter of the verse. Okay? Qadir, Ghafoor, Futur, Hasir, Sa'ir, Tafur, Nadir, Kabir, Sa'ir, Sa'ir, Kabir, Sudur, Khabir, Nushur, Tamur, Nadir, Nakir, Basir, Gurur, Nufur, Mustaqeem. What did you notice? Yeah, so so far it was R R R R R R R R. At Mustaqeem. Because by the way, who is walking on Salat al Mustaqeem? Who is our perfect example of the one who is walking on Salat al Mustaqeem? Who is our perfect example of the one? Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Yes. Who is who is Yamshi Sawin ala Salat al Mustaqeem? Prophet Sallallahu so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose after this ayah, not only to end it with a different letter, but from now on, the endings are different. Listen to the endings now. So, mustaqeem, tashkurun, tuhsharun, sadiqeen, mubeen, tadda'oon, aleem, ma'een. What's the difference between the ra and the noons and the memes? R was like aggressive and negative and forceful and terrifying. Yes or no? But the noons and the memes are soft and subtle. And But the question is, why are they soft and subtle? Because the next section, notice, so far, who's, who is talking to the disbelievers? Allah Himself. Yes or no? Guess what's going to happen now? Allah is going to stop talking to them directly. And He's going to start with Qul. What does that mean, Qul? Now, Allah basically is... Yani he, he's saying, these guys are not worthy of talking to. Ya Rasulullah, you speak to them. Okay? And because the Prophet is speaking now, out of respect for the Prophet is speaking to them, the, the theme of the endings and the sounds has been toned down to match the Prophet's character. Because, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ The Prophet was sent as nothing but rahmah, mercy, love, and care for all of humanity. And so you see how, subhanAllah, like even the, the choice of the letters is very precise in the Quran. So Allah says to the Prophet, tell them, Wow, I could spend the next, like the remaining evening just on this ayah, but okay. Insha'akum means he, he brought you to life, right? From insha'. So this is talking about birth. He is the one who gave you birth. And by the way, it's proven scientifically now that in the womb of the mother, the child, what are the first faculties that the child goes through in terms of the development of the embryo? 
The first thing is your eyes, uh, your ears. And then what comes next? Eyes. And what comes next? Your heart. Subhanallah. So Allah captured that sequence of uh, what's happening in the womb miraculously. This is actually a scientific miracle. I mean, 1400 years ago, how did the Prophet know that the embryo goes through these stages, right? So this is a scientific miracle right there. But what's really amazing is how the sequence, another, another question for you. How come sam' is singular and absar is plural and af'idah is also plural? Af'idah means, by the way, af'idah means emotional and passionate hearts. Okay, qalb is a heart, but fu'ad is a passionate heart. A heart that's filled with emotion in the Quran. Okay, so how come sam' is singular, absar is plural and af'idah is plural? See, this is what tadabbur is about. It's about questioning, right? And, and stopping and thinking. Why? I mean, we have two ears. So why is sam' singular? Okay. So what are they listening to? What is Allah calling them to listen to? Kalam Rasul illi Khan. Quran. So the message is multiple or singular? Uh, so the Quran is one. So sam' is used. But in terms of our comprehension, our and by the way, absar not only means eyes, but it means like your insight. Okay? Al-basira means insight. So it's not just physical seeing, but your ability to see. Like in, in the energy healing space, they call this the third eye. Why? Because that's where the basira is. You're able to see, you're able to read between the lines. You're able to um, see beyond what everyone else is seeing. Yes or no? Okay. So now when you he hear the Quran, is there multiple ways of insight, multiple reactions emotionally to the Quran? Absolutely. So that's why it's plural. Because on de depending on, on your state, depending on your level of consciousness, depending on your intentions, you react to this one message in different ways. Some people react to it in, a, in hateful ways. They hate this message and their fu'ad becomes hateful. Some of them love it and they cry when they listen to the Qur'an and they cry when they stand in prayer. For some people it doesn't make a difference. For some people it gives them basira, it gives them insight for, on different things. Basira also is plural. There's different ways of, of understanding the Qur'an. If you have a background in uh, medicine, then you will get Basira from the medicine lens through the Qur'an. If you have a background in art, you will get a Basira from different ways. So there is different absar, different ways of perceiving the Qur'an, different ways of getting impacted by the Qur'an. Engineers get impacted in a different way from the Qur'an. Scientists get impacted in a different way. Parents get impacted in a different way. Single people get impacted in a different way. Females get impacted in a different way. Males get impacted in a different way. So it's incredible how Allah like, captures all these things. But uh, I also want to touch on a very, very important uh, concept here. Al-sam' al-absar and al-af'idah. Allah is not talking here about knowledge. Because one misconception we have, about, uh, we have about religion and Islam and becoming a practicing Muslim or getting close to Allah is I need to get knowledge. 
And that is what has created like these institutions of knowledge, right? Where you learn about Islam, you learn what is aqidah, you learn what is hadith, you learn fiqh, you learn seerah, you learn all these things. You have a lot of knowledge about history. You have, maybe you've memorized the Quran, maybe you know like the Ashar Qiraat of Tajweed. But what about your afidah? Not really there. Spiritually, you're not there. So having knowledge, is it enough for you to become spiritual? No. Right? So Allah here is highlighting that Al-Quran, its, its primary objective is, is, two, is two purposes. Remember this, guys. The Quran's objective is two purposes. It's two-dimensional. There is a sem, uh, there is, sorry, al-absar. So it's supposed to make you think. It's supposed to give you insight. It's supposed to change the way you perceive things in life. That's one thing that's in the mind, yes? And it's supposed to have a change in your heart. Al-Af'idah. And what has happened today, unfortunately, is we have reduced Islam and spirituality to just the hearts. And so therefore, you know, out of uh, 30 taraweeh prayers, how many taraweeh prayers will you really, really enjoy? Do you, re do you enjoy 30 out of 30? Well, is there like one or two nights that are like exceptional? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes, there's always those one or two nights in Ramadan that are wow. And, and you wish every night was like that. Or you go to Umrah and you, you, you do tawaf and you pray there and you wish like your every prayer was like that. But is it possible? No, because al-af'idah are changing. Right? This emotional iman is changing. It, it constantly changes. And that's why we as Muslims keep changing. Right? We, have, we have our ups and downs. In Ramadan, we're spiritual. After Ramadan, in Eid, I don't know what happens, right? The shayateen gets unlocked and I don't know what happens. We go to Umrah, we're spiritual. After Umrah, we forget things. So, and يعني, unfortunately, even in the khutbahs and Jum'ah and stuff, like the emphasis is either on knowledge, 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 or emotional stuff. They get you with emotion. You know, they, they make you cry or they make you afraid, right? Through tarheeb uh, tarheeb But what's missing is al-absar. There's very little education on how we need to grow intellectually with this book. How we need to develop our minds and become smarter, right? How, being more knowledgeable doesn't mean that you're smarter, right? It just means you have knowledge. It, it has nothing to do with your iman, right? But absar basira gives you that conviction. That's why, have you ever seen like non-Muslims when they accept Islam, they become so passionate about it? Why does that happen? Think about it. Because they went through the process. They went through the sam' and they thought about it, absar, 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 until they got conviction. When you have basira, you get conviction. And when you get conviction, then you are, your hearts become passionate. That's the right methodology, actually, when it comes to this book. But because we, most of us are born Muslims, right? We're born Muhammad or Zainab or Aisha or Abdullah, and we think we have a free ticket to Jannah, yeah? Do we go through the Absar? No. Do we go through the Sam'a? No. We're just expected to have passionate hearts, right? And we're expected to get knowledge, which gives you none of these. So there's a missing ingredient in the formula. You guys, you guys with me on this? Yes? Very important point. So for your children, parents here, how many parents here? 
What should you focus on? Not knowledge, please. Change the way they think. You have to, you know, make them realize how to think. What kind of questions to ask? And you know, you know the state of the Muslims from the questions they ask. After every talk, the question, the most common questions, are around like stupid things. Honestly, yeah, with all due respect. Right? Uh, is, when is Mahdi coming? When is Dajjal coming? And uh, you know, if I break my wudu, how do I make it up during the salah? And like pathetic things. There's no questions that are deep that are there to evolve us uh, intellectually. So that's what we should do, inshallah. So قُلْ again, هو الذي ذرأكم في الأرض وإليه تحشرون. He is the one who had ذرأ means to. Number one, spread you on earth, but also it also highlights old age. So Allah is capturing short life. And sha'akum was when we were born, and dara'akum is when we are in old age. And he's saying, wa ilahi tuhsharun, and you shall return to him. And hashar is usually referred to animals, by the way, in the Quran. Right? So Allah is, again, sarcastically telling them that, listen, if you stop using your intellect and your eyes and the ability to hear, then you are not no better than animals. And therefore you deserve to be tuhsharun. Just like sheep are you know, herded into their like, farms. You see the precision of the language? And by the way, uh, what's the link between the two? One is short, uh, you know, when you're born and one when you are. And so Allah is summarizing our entire life. And sha'akum, from the moment you're in the womb of your mother to the hashr, right? To old age, which is dara'a, to the hashr, which is a summary of your entire life. Section number five, inshallah. So questioning the promise. What's the promise? The promise of the Day of Judgment. And by the way, the topic of the Day of Judgment is, is a big deal in the Quran, right? But you know what the Jews did in the Torah and the Injil? They actually like, completely wiped it out. There's literally no mention of Akhirah or Day of Judgment in the, in the context of the Torah and the Injil. And that's why like, it's, like, for them the concept of Day of Judgment is a very casual thing. You actually have like, rock bands that call themselves like, uh, I don't know, hell, uh, their songs like Highway to Hell and Hellboy. There was a movie, right? Hellboy. And they use hell like, casually. What the hell? What about us as believers, right? Do we use the concept of hell and jahim casually? No, it's like it's, we take it seriously, right? There's this, this element of you know, fear that this is something serious. It's not something to joke about. I remember watching a movie a long time ago. It's called Event Horizon. Anybody seen this? Event Horizon. So the movie was basically about this spaceship that accidentally goes to, he goes to hell. But they end up, like, because there's a superhero in the movie, they end up escaping hell. So hatta through movies, hatta like Armageddon and other uh, movies, what they actually highlight is the ability for human beings to kind of, even if there is a threat coming up from the sky, they usually use the aliens example, right? Aliens attacking from Earth. What they're actually sarcastically doing is that, you know this threat from up above? We, when we use our intellect, when we use our like, you know, smartness, we can overcome that, that power and that force that's coming from above, up above. So indirectly, like, that sense of fear from up above 
gets reduced when you start watching these movies. I'm not saying don't watch movies. I love movies. I, uh, haram, uh, entertainment is not haram, right? But again, read between the lines. What is, uh, what is the wisdom behind it? So what's the questioning? What's the questioning? And they say, They ask, when is this promise? If you truly are truthful. If you indeed are truthful. Which wa'ad, which promise are they asking about? The Day of Judgment, yes? But what are they asking about? meta. What are they interested in? Timing, right? Is that a smart question or a dumb question? What do you think? It's a super dumb question, right? Because what's a... And hatta, like a sahabi went to the Prophet ﷺ once and he, had, he asked the Prophet ﷺ exactly the same question. He said, Mata sa'a? Ya Rasulullah, when is the hour? And the Prophet ﷺ responded with another question to teach him how to ask questions next time. He didn't answer him. He said, Ma laha. What have you prepared for it? You know, so this is a dumb question. The proper question should have been, How do we repent? How do we turn back to Allah? Right? is a sarcastic way of saying, bring it on. This day of judgment thing you're talking about, if it's really real, Allah, bring it on. Where is it? When is it going to come? Next year, next month? And you have movies, right? Like 2021, day of judgment. and So, this is a sarcastic way that the disbelievers talk. To who? Who are they talking to like, like this? To the Prophet right? In kuntum sadiqeen. And he, by the way, in kunta sadiqan? No. In kuntum sadiqeen. So they're talking like this to all the sahaba and the companions, anyone who believes in the akhirah. And then the Prophet responds to them as Allah tells him, Qul, Tell them that all knowledge belongs to Allah. And I am just here to warn you. I'm just here to give you clear warnings. And when they saw it, Zulfatan. Zulfatan means face to face. What are they seeing face to face? The hellfire, yeah? This adab, this akhirah. Si'at ladina kafaru. Their faces became completely kind of deteriorated and ugly and depressed. Si'at ladina kafaru. Si'a comes from the root word saw'a, which literally means a dead corpse in the Quran. So that's the imagery here of their faces. And again, to highlight, who is Alladina Kafaru, guys? It's that very, very special group of people who heard the message, understood it, denied it, and were actually opposing it, trying to stop it. Okay? And that's what Mukaddibin means, by the way. Right? Allah says in the Quran, Wailun Mukaddibin, right? Why why are they Mukaddibin? Because they actually spread lies about this message. They don't want anybody to believe in this message. So not are they themselves not believing this message. They don't want anybody else to believe this message. And they're going to go out of their way to try to change this message and to fabricate this message and to create a lot of misinformation and missing information so that people do not believe this message. This is what you were desperately asking for. Now you see it. So in the beginning there was a question, right? Allah answers in two ways. One, the Prophet tells them, knowledge is with Allah. And what's the other way of, of, of answering the question? It's another recurring theme. How do they get the answer? 
فَلَمَّا رَأَوْهُ How do they get the answer? By seeing. Earlier Allah, in the beginning of the surah, Allah was telling them, um, look at the skies. فَرْجِعِ الْبَصَرَ هَلْ تَرَى مِنْ فُطُورِ Did they listen? Did they believe? Now they get to see the hellfire face to face, this thing that they were denying all along. And now they have no option. خلاص, right? So now the seeing is, is making a difference for them. So again, the, the, con the, the common theme of sight is coming there. So last section, guys. Bear with me, inshallah. Okay? You've been very patient with me. Thank you. Your weakness. So Allah's telling them now. This is like the last concluding passage. Allah's telling the Prophet tell them, أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ أَهْلَكَنِيَ اللَّهُ وَمَنْ مَعِيَا أَوْ رَحِمَنَا فَمَنْ يُجِيرُ الْكَافِرِينَ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Because, you know, what are the disbelievers trying to do? They're trying to kill the Prophet and the Sahaba, right? Yes? Ihlak means like a terrible death. So Allah, the Prophet says, telling them, listen, even if Allah destroyed me and my companions, does that still guarantee that you will be saved from Allah's punishment? It's an interesting way of putting it, right? So, by them eliminating the Prophet and the Sahaba, do they get freed from Allah's punishment? No. So Allah's, Allah's telling the Prophet tell them, listen, first of all, the disbelievers can't destroy the Sahaba and the, and the Prophet. Who is doing the ahlak here? In ahlakini Allah. So the Prophet is telling them, listen, even if you were to, kill, to try to kill me, you will never be able to kill me because who does the kingdom belong to? Allah. So without his permission, you can't kill me. If Allah wants, yeah, Allah. I'll let Allah you know, give, me per, give you permission to kill me, but you can't on your own. So what's the opposite of destruction? <coughs> life, right? Life. Yes? But Allah didn't choose, uh, or the, the language here is not destruction or life, destruction or mercy. So Allah's between the lines telling us that our life is supposed to be an experience of Allah's rahmah. Isn't that amazing? Yes? So we're, Allah is describing this life, not as just life, but as rahmah. So either Allah gives you death, or He gives you rahmah. So between the lines, Allah is telling us, your life is actually rahmah. Us breathing right now is actually a, a, an act of mercy, love and care from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we've taken for granted. The, the earth not swallowing us is an act of rahmah that we've taken for granted. Stones coming down from the sky is an act of, uh, and, and Allah holding it is an act of rahmah that we've taken for granted. And so the, the default is that without Allah's rahmah, there is no life. And I'll give you the example of the, the womb of the mother. So long as the baby for nine months is in the womb of the mother, and by the way, what is womb in Arabic? Rahim, right? Which is a symbol of love, care, and mercy. So long as the baby is in the womb of the mother, is the baby safe? Yeah, is there rahmah for the baby? Yes. But if someone violently tries to take the baby out of that rahmah, what's going to happen instantly to the baby? Death. So think about it this way. Like we are all, as human beings, in this big womb, And Allah's rahmah is encompassing us and surrounding us in every aspect of our lives. 
but we are unaware. Just like that child. Is the child aware of the mother when, it, when it's getting fed with, through the umbilical cord and everything is, like all the nutrition is coming automatically? Is the child aware of the mother? No. Similarly with us, Allah keeps providing us and providing us and blessing us and saving us and, and, and keeping the earth from swallowing us and keeping the sky from sending punishment. But we're like that baby with closed eyes and we're just sucking on our thumbs and we're enjoying the food and the drink. And we have forgotten our Rahman. So Allah is reminding us that life is Rahma. And the fact that these earth, like, you know, إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا Which means the earth actually was created to shake. But who's stopping it from shaking? Ar-Rahman. This, إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ this, the earth or the skies were meant to tear apart and this like think about think of like all of Allah's creation the sun the skies the universe everything was meant to be in chaos but who's holding it all in place Ar-Rahman and so you know how like sometimes you have a, a relative that's about to die and you go visit them in the ICU what do they put on the this person a machine right like a what do they call it like a ventilator right so he's breathing through the machine and Life support system, basically. And how do we feel when we look at these people in that state? We feel, yeah, it's, it's a, ter a terrible state to see someone in, right? And you're like, man, if, if the doctor just pulled that plug, khalas, this guy's gone. Sah? But Allah is reminding us that Ar-Rahman means that we are always on life support. We are all on life support, right? But we've taken that for granted. So, قُلْ هُوَ الرَّحْمَانُ Again, Rahman comes up. Say, he is a Rahman. We believe in him. آمَنَّا بِهِ And this Iman results in Amn, which means safety and tranquility and peace in the heart, inner peace. قُلْ هُوَ الرَّحْمَانُ آمَنَّا بِهِ وَعَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلْنَا And we trust him in everything. Just like that baby trusts the mother. You have full trust in Allah. You will surely know who is in, in, in clear misguidance. Say to them, O Prophet, and this is the final ayah. Did you see that if your ma becomes ghawra. Which ma' now? Remember I told you, remind me. What's ma'ukum? Your water, zamzam. Remember they felt like, okay, even if you stop the, the sky from raining down on us, we still have zamzam. Allah's saying, what if this ma' of yours became ghawran? Ghawran means it, it sunk into the earth and dried up. And then the question is, فَمَنْ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِمَاءٍ مَعِينٍ who will come up with this pure and fresh water for you that is never going to end? So it's, and what will happen when the water dries up, by the way? It's actually a, a simile of like, or, or a metaphor for death, actually. So there's death in the beginning, mention of death in the beginning, mention of death in the middle. And then how do you survive? By believing in a Rahman and trusting Him. So that's, that concludes this uh, beautiful, beautiful surah. And notice, قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ 
What's Allah highlighting? Sight again. Did you see? Can you see? And same thing at the end. Qul Lastly, I'll just share with you like a, a beautiful kind of symmetry of the entire surah. So the first section was Allah's power and constancy. And then the description of hellfire and heaven, right? And then the immediate threat, the short life, the questioning promise, and then you are weak. So section one and section six are beautifully connected. Because on one hand, Allah is drawing, the, uh, drawing our attention to His mulk, his constant mulk and that his capabilities are unlimited. And then at the end he's telling us, you can't even guarantee that your water is going to be there for you. You can't guarantee that Allah will switch that or, or unplug the switch. You are independent of Allah's mercy. This life is based on Allah's rahmah on you. Allah can remove it any time. So Allah is highlighting how weak we are. Right? So you see the contrast? And section 2 and section 3 are also connected because what were they questioning? Yeah, heaven and hell. And of course, immediate threat and short life. Connected. Allah is calling them to take action. Life is short and this threat of this, this earth you know, swallowing you and the punishment coming up from up above, these are all Imminent, they're right there, and sh life is short. So when are you gonna stop? Stop uh, delaying, yani. Take action, change, make a change in your life, right? So with that, inshallah, we conclude this beautiful, beautiful surah, and just wanted to, lastly, just remind myself and everybody here is that this was a surah that was talking to disbelievers of the worst kind, but how many times was Rahman mentioned? How many times was Rahma mentioned? So. Again, this is mindset, right? Allah is programming us to think in the right way. Our view of Allah should be that Allah is by default a Rahman. We have so many people who go through depression nowadays. I know parents who are concerned about their, their children not praying. They come to me crying. Our son doesn't pray. Our son doesn't fast. And their son is maybe a really good person deep down inside. He maybe is exploring. Maybe he's going through his phase of sam' and basira. And we all have our journeys, yes or no? Yes. But when you, when you start being afraid of your child being yani, misguided and you start judging him and you start labeling him, labeling, him, labeling him as someone who's left Islam, where is Allah's mercy? Allah is a Rahman. This, this son of yours or this daughter of yours who's going through her journey of exploring, it's okay, give her the freedom to explore. Don't pass a judgment. When you see someone wearing a, a mini skirt, don't pass a judgment. Allah is a Rahman even with her. When you see someone not wearing hijab, or you see someone who doesn't have a beard, or you see someone who doesn't pray, someone who drinks alcohol, someone who, I don't know, maybe has a girlfriend, or someone who gambles, someone who's a drug addict, Stop passing judgments. Where is Rahma in you? If Allah, if Allah is a Rahman, we need to also be Ruhama Bainana Wa right? Where is the love, care, and mercy for those around us, especially our family members? Our attitudes towards our family shouldn't change whether based on whether they pray or not. We should 
love them, care for them, be kind to them, regardless. I just learned this fact yesterday, guys. You know Abu Bakr al-Siddiq? The best friend of the Prophet right? He was the next, like the first Khalifa. His wife, Umm Ruman, for 13 years, the first 13 years of Mecca, she was a disbeliever. How many of you knew this? And she migrated with, the Prophet, uh, with the, uh, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq to Medina. Did he divorce her? He stood by her, right? Because he understood what the Prophet's mission was. The Prophet's mission was Rahmah. The Prophet's mission was based on love, care, and mercy, and forgiveness, and giving people their time. Just like we took our own sweet time. We weren't born uh, like, you know, uh, in the masjid. Was anyone here born in the masjid or uh, in the haram, in Mecca? No, we all have our stories, yes? And, and so just like it t we took our sweet time and Allah guides us, right? As we seek guidance, Allah guides us and it's a journey. And so other people have journeys. And so Allah... If he can be Rahman with the disbeliever, the worst kind of disbelievers, then how can we not be Rahman with our families, with our loved ones, with our friends, with our colleagues, with our bosses, with our employees, with our housemates, with our drivers, with animals, with the environment, with the earth, everything that Allah has created. So that, you know, if there was one lesson, it's really this, that Allah is Rahman. Allah says in the Quran, كَتَبَ عَلَىٰ نَفْسِهِ الرَّحْمَةِ Allah is not Al-Adl, guys. How many of you have heard that one of Allah's names is Al-Adl, the just? How many of you have heard this before? It's actually very common, right? In Asma'ullah Al-Husna, Al-Adl. It's not mentioned in the Qur'an. Allah is not just. He is merciful. If Allah was just, we would all be destroyed. Right? So be grateful that Allah is not just. And so don't try to be just with those around you. Choose the better option. Choose to be merciful. Choose to be kind. Choose to overlook other people's mistakes. Choose to be forgiving. And choose to be loving. Thank you for coming. And inshallah, I'll see you next week. Inshallah, with another surah. Ramadan Kareem. And I hope this was useful for all of you. Thank you. Yes,